Awesome. Are you guys ready for this morning? We have a new series. It's a controversial title that not everyone is going to like, but I don't care because I love making silly titles. So the title of our current series is Stretch Marks, Smooth Skin is for Babies. Just so that you know, I told Reese to go more controversial than that picture of Goop, but he just did not dare to go for it. <laughs> And why we're calling it Stretch Marks, Smooth Skin is for Babies, is because this series is all about change. And um, I was thinking about it. What represents change better than pregnancy and birth, right? You know, one moment, husband and wife, that's all there is in this family unit. Next moment, there's a whole new life being produced. And this baby comes out and everyone's like, oh, what a beautiful baby and everything. And everyone forgets that mum has got stretch marks and other stuff that will not be mentioned. <laughs> I could, that's not my place to say it. Um, but but we've, we, we sometimes want the new life without the stretch marks. And our, our cosmetic industry tells us that smooth skin is the best. But smooth skin doesn't tell the tale of all the life that you've gone through. I have always wanted smile lines because then apparently, I, I don't know, some people tell me I have a good smile, but when I was young, people told me I was aloof. So I was saying, I was thinking, if I have smile lines and people think that I'm friendlier. Anyway, I love smile lines. I think that wrinkles make you look like you have lived a life. And that is such an important thing. All you smooth-skinned babies, I'll tell you what the Bible says about babies in just a few moments. But babies are this new amazing, beautiful gift, and it comes with the territory. Stretching is part of the territory. And, um, you know, we all have to go through change. And quite often, change happens to us, as we all know from this year. There's this old saying that uh, death and taxes are the two consistent things across all lives. I would like to say that change is one of those other constants. The moment you are born, you start to change. Beck and I had the privilege of being placed for adoption at the start of this year with uh, beautiful Sam, and every single day he changes. Yeah. Every single day. He, he, he grows a little bit heavier. He then loses all the weight because he stretches out. And I don't know how things work, but he starts to talk. I'd just like to put out there on record because I think this is being recorded. His first words are da-da. Although he says da-da to everything. It's not really da-da, it's just da, 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 da. It looks at everything da. But I think that I'm the favorite. Although at night I don't want to hear him say da. It's like, please say ma. But anyway, he changes and he grows and is constant. All of us constantly have to grow. But I don't know if we get used to change very well as human beings. Because change seems to rock us, and change seems to, to really put us off our game. And recently, during uh, the last few months, I came across this passage, and honestly, this is not my words, this is in the Bible, you're probably not going to like it, but this is what it says in Proverbs 24, verse 10, in the message version, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. I didn't say that. It's a Bible. Love you guys. I'm the lovable pastor. 
That was the Bible. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. And this is such a great leadership principle. Um, as a leader, one of the things that I've got to ensure when I'm uh, training new leaders up and finding new leaders is that I don't just choose people that do well in good times. I look for people that do well in bad times. Why? Because bad times reveal more about the person than the good times. All of us can do well in good times. Not all of us can do well in bad times. And yet many of us go through life thinking if the situation outside changes, I'm going to be okay. When the truth is, the Bible says, if you fall to pieces in the bad times, you've got to examine to see whether there was much to you in the first place. And so as a human being, as a, as a leader, as, as a father, as a pastor, in all these different hats that I wear as a, in, in my life, this is actually such an important checkpoint. What are the difficult times revealing about me? And this is not to go, you are such a terrible human being, you need to be, this is not about condemnation or putting down, but this is a proverb that is meant to show us wisdom so that we can grow. And growing means we need to change. In fact, if I can, my prayer for you is not that your bad times change, but that you change. If your bad times change, in particular because you change, fantastic. But if your bad times don't change, I pray that you grow because the pressure is on. And now it is not always nice to go through. In fact, it's never nice to go through a bad time, is it? And, and, and those bad times can really reveal stuff that you don't want to see about yourself. You know, Beck and I, as I mentioned, were placed with Samuel at... Uh, it was end of Feb-ish, and, um, and immediately we were uh, parents of a four-month-old. We didn't get the nine-month lead-up, we had a three-month lead-up, um, and in fact, a three-month lead-up was already another story by itself, but it was the grace of God, normally you get a one-week lead-up, and so we had a three-month lead-up, and we were placed with a four-month-old. We had to learn everything about him, which in itself, every parent knows that's not the it's not the easiest of things to suddenly have to uh, look after this little crying blob that is completely helpless, which is another point I'm going to be talking about a bit later. Uh, but then from there, COVID hit as well, and then everything was shut down. And this is one of the things that I learned about uh, uh, my crisis with Samuel, if you will, is that most other times in my life, I could escape the crisis by going home. Now when I go home, the crisis is there. The workplace is easier than being at home with a crying baby. And he was not crying because he was trying to make my life hard. He was crying because he was still getting to know whether we were safe people. He was crying because he was trying to figure out whether the next day he was going to be with our family or be moved to another family. He was crying because he is a four-month-old that is teething. He's crying because he needs help to sleep. He's crying because he is an infant. An infant is a crisis. And so many of us want infants or we think and we just think naturally, one day I'll have a kid. Awesome, you're having a crisis. And what this crisis revealed in me 
Although I love Samuel, I would not trade him for the world. But it was difficult. And it revealed in me that I was not as patient as I thought I was. I did not have as much control over my anger as I thought I did. I was not as selfless as I thought I was. And all of these things, I'm like, you know, Beck and I studied, we prepared ourselves. I was like, I know all of these things, but actually being in the pressurized situation brought these things up. And I went looking at this, and you know what? There were moments, I'll be perfect, perfectly honest, I was why did we do this? Let's change this situation because I don't like it. And for most of you, when you one day have a child, it will be because you did choose, but then you have a long lead up and, and all of that. But for us, we literally chose to have this kind of a lifestyle. And it was like, are you an idiot or are you an idiot? <laughs> and, and there are moments where we wanted to change the situation. But over that time, I read this verse and I went, oh, what is this revealing about me? And instead of trying to change the situation, I realized that the thing that needed to change was me. Over the course of this series, we're not talking about how to get breakthrough in circumstances outside, but rather we're going to talk about embracing change on the inside. We're not going to talk about how to see things move on the outside, even though God does do amazing, miraculous breakthrough things. But we're going to talk about how the Bible describes the need for us to change on the inside, to grow on the inside. I believe that some people are going to find a new level of capacity. I believe that there are some people that are going to find that they are actually more capable of things that they previously would not even touch with a six-foot pole because there is growth that is going to take place on the inside of us that therefore then allows us to tackle the greater complexities in life. You know, there are people that never grow, even though their age grows and their physical body grows, but their emotional, their intelligence, their, their, their spiritual life never grows. And what do you find with such people? They never have capacity for the next. They never have the capacity for the next. You never are able to grab, the whole, grab hold of the more that God wants to bring to you. I pray that over this series, you will take the, the things that we're talking about and implement it into your life because I do believe that there are greater things ahead for each and every one of us. But let's start talking about this whole idea of internal change. We read in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 17 to 18, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless, error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. When I was looking at this passage, I saw something that was really interesting. You see, he talks about how he's bringing this warning that they might fall from their secure position. And what I have found in many of our lives, I do hope this chair can take my weight, is that we have discovered oh, what our secure position is. We grow our lives to find a secure position. We do everything we can to find security. That is actually one of the greatest human needs 
that we find security. They did an experiment with these little monkeys a long time ago where these monkeys were given either a metal frame with a, a little bottle that they could drink from or a monkey that was covered in uh, cloth that mimicked um, the, the body of uh, a mother monkey. Uh, probably not a very ethical story, but this was a long time ago, so let's just run with it, right? And this monkey would, this baby monkey would, rather than have the food, prefer the warmth and therefore the implied security. And that is the same with each and every one of us. We seek attachments, we seek life, we seek decisions and choices to find a secure place. Why we take change so harsh is because often what happens with change is that we lose what we thought was a secure place. And when we lose this secure place, we go floundering around going like, what is going on? But what Peter teaches us in this passage is that this secure place you can fall from if you don't grow. If you don't grow, you will be removed from what you thought was secure. And I think many people over the course of this year found that their job security was removed from them. Many people found that their lifestyles that gave them a sense of routine and a sense of control was removed from them. And what happened when it was removed and we all go floundering around, but I know many people because they have chosen to continue to grow, losing that secure place did not matter much to them. We have to learn and we have to understand that our internal world upon changing gives us the ability to examine whether something is truly a secure place or not. What is your secure place? What is that thing that you're holding on to that you do not want to let go of? Because let me tell you, if it's not a godly secure place, and even when we think about godly secure place, sometimes that's not what we think it is. Some people think that godly secure places is attending church every Sunday. Well, you know what? Attending church does not make you secure. It helps you to grow, but it does not make you secure. And so there's all these things that we actually have to examine. And over the course of this series, we will talk about some of that. And, and, and hopefully we will remove ourselves from places of security that are actually insecure because God is calling us to grow. Let me just read that again. Since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you will not fall from your secure position, but grow. Grow, but grow. Don't secure yourselves to things that are going to move. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this morning I want to show you three things that are important for growth. This this, this message, if you want to put a title to it, I know... That, that wasn't an intro, I just forgot to tell you the title, but I want to talk about the work of growing. We need three things to scaffold us in the work of growing, and we're going to look at Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 to see these three things. 
And so Paul the Apostle writes, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Have you ever felt tossed around like a plastic bag blowing in the wind? Isn't that a song? I don't know. Anyway, but if you ever felt tossed around, if you ever felt like things were kind of blowing you here and there, the reason, according to Paul, is because you are an infant. And that is actually quite an interesting picture because when I first read this, I was like, yeah, yeah, I've read this a few times before. But when I read this in preparation for this week, I was like, that is actually quite a mean thing to be an infant tossed back and forth by the waves. Like, who takes the infant and goes, well, go swim, little infant. Oh, look, there's a hurricane forming. Out into the wind you go. You know, that, that picture was just like, whoa, what's going on here? And so Paul's not saying that you're an infant and you're being tossed around. He's saying that you are internally like an infant and therefore you are tossed around by circumstances that go, around, go on outside of you. Okay, and one of the things that I've learned over the last six months with Sam is that infants are helpless. They are so helpless. They are useless. <laughs> Little human beings that will one day grow up to be amazing lives, but while they are infants, they are freaking useless. <laughs> When we first had Sam place with us, he wasn't moving much. Beck literally called him a blob. He was a blob of a human being. Oh, here's a blob. If I don't pick up the blob, the blob is there. If I don't feed the blob, the blob is hungry. If I don't change the blob, the blob is stinky. If I don't do anything, the blob is going to stay in exactly the same place. If I'm a terrible dad, and I'm not, and I toss the blob, the blob is tossed. The blob cannot fight back against the tosser. The blob is a blob. An infant cannot defend itself. An infant cannot fight for itself. An infant cannot move by itself. An infant is not independent, grown up enough to be able to do anything. And what Paul the Apostle was saying is that when we don't grow up on the inside and circumstances come our way, we are equally helpless. We need to grow because when we grow and the winds come and the waves come, we are able to go, oh, that was a nice little breeze, wasn't that? Sometimes we make breezes out to be hurricanes because we are infants on the inside. And that is something that we need to realize. If your life is full of drama, it's not because your life is full of drama. It's because you're an infant. 
I'm saying this not because I hate you and I hate your days of our life soap opera, but it's because I want you to grow. I want you to be able to see the winds of this life as necessary part of everyday existence. It is going to come. The winds will come. Jesus promises us as Christians, in this world, you will have trouble. Oh, what a great promise, Jesus. Thank you. Please bring more trouble. No one says that, but that is a promise of the Lord. Trouble will come. Are you going to be an infant about it? Or are you actually going to grow up? So I see in this passage three things that you need in order to grow. And the first of these three is that we need the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ because we need different people around us. You see, Paul talks about how God had given different people different giftings. There's the pastor, there's the teacher, there is the prophet, there is the evangelist, there's the apostle. All of these people uh, and all of these offices have, have different gifts attached to them. One is good at teaching, one of them is good at pastoring, one of them is good at evangelism, and all of these different giftings, right? And what happens when all of these giftings are in operation, it says this, the body of Christ is built up. The body of Christ is built up. When you're not part of the body of Christ, you do not get the variety of gifts that allow you to grow. When you are isolated and pulling away from the body of Christ, you do not get the ministry of the different giftings of the body. You are not able to build and grow yourself up in isolation. Psychologically speaking, this is a fact that you are unable to learn emotional regulation without another person. Many of us think that because of all that has taken place in our life, I'm going to be my own person. You know what? Your own person is actually, when people say that, they are just simply the formation of all the bad things that have happened to them and those are still the models that they are following. A healthy person is able to go, I need to let people in because they will model to me healthy. They will model, model to me, model. They will model, I can't even say the word anymore. They will model to me what a healthy life looks like. I need you and you need me. I'm a teacher and I teach. That's what I do. But I need someone else to be the prophet. I need someone else to be the evangelist. I need someone else to be the apostle in our midst. And when all of these different functions are in use, we build ourselves up. And I love this because Paul actually says this in verse 15. Sorry, not the wrong verse, verse 13. It says, we may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Get this. You cannot be united if you are by yourself. Too many people talk about, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't love the, the body of Christ. I don't love the church. You know what? That's not how it works. Because the Bible talks about the need for unity as part of maturity. If you're not united, there is a reason why you're not united. Deal with it. Not this week's message. Until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This blows me away. 
Christ is not withholding himself from any one of us. Christ wants you to have the fullness of the whole, everything. The words that he uses to attain the whole measure of the fullness. Paul's like, you get whole measure of the fullness when there is unity. We need the body of Christ. So what are you going to do about that? If you don't attach yourself to the body of Christ, you do not get the whole measure. You might get a little bit. A tiny measure of a bit of Christ. I know what I'm like. I don't just need a little bit of Christ. I need the whole measure of the fullness of Christ in my life. And that's why I need the body of Christ. So that's the first thing, we need the body of Christ. The second thing is that we need truth and love. This is the vehicle that um, Paul talks about in terms of how we grow. He talks about how uh, that, that when we grow up, we will no longer be infants. And he says, instead, in verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body. Can you see the difference there? If you don't want to be an infant, then you need people speaking the truth in love. We, we need the body of Christ and we need the body of Christ to be speaking the truth in love. This is something that I think is very important for us as we relaunch into the next season of our church. That we are not just gathering so that we all feel good. Oh, thank you, Mitch, for leading us in this wonderful emotional time of worship. But then no one's telling you anything you don't want to hear. Or if anyone says, hey, mate, I just need to talk to you about something. Oh, that church. Why do we do that? Because we're infants. We're small on the inside. Can I say that? When we don't have the body of Christ speaking the truth in love, we don't grow. When we don't allow someone else to, knowing that this is a safe relationship, tell me the things that are not right. This is something that God put on my heart over the last six months. As a church, we've learned how to care for people really well, I believe. But how are we going bringing correction with care? How are we going actually talking to each other about things? And this goes the other way. If you are a Christian for a long time, who have you been speaking into and sometimes having the difficult conversations? Because if you have not been doing that, you're not doing your part. You're keeping other people small and you're keeping yourself small. This is a really important thing. I don't want a church full of babies. I don't want a church full of little helpless blobs. I want a body of Christ that is equipped and ready to go for whatever Christ has got ready for us to go for. And in that way, we need each other, but we need each other to speak the truth in love. Now, make sure that it's truth and love. That's why I got this picture, because it's truth and love. It's not either or. It's not, I'll have more truth today and less love. It's I'm speaking the truth in love, both of these things together. In fact, if you are speaking correction, it's, it needs to be because you want to see the person grow. And if you want to love a person, you should desire to see them grow so that they will not be an infant being tossed around by the waves. If I care for Samuel, 
If I truly care for Samuel, I will need him to grow. And when I want him to grow, I need to speak the truth in love to him. When he reaches for dad's glasses, no. Truth in love. That is not something you play with. Not dad gets angry. You see dad's leg hairs? No, not a toy. He started that the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? He came up to me and he was like, I don't even have that many hairs. He still found them. But we draw boundaries for our kids, don't we? Because we know that they need the truth. The electrical circuit might look fun, but it brings death. Don't play with it. That stove looks fun, but don't play with it. And we need the same in our lives. Don't be friends with people that are pulling you down. Don't. I can't think of other situations right now. I didn't write them down. It's off the top of my head. But we need to actually be showing people, hey, this is what the Word of God says. What's happening in your life as opposed to what the Word of God says? Truth in love. We need that. So we need the body. We need truth in love. The third thing is we need to serve. What does Paul say? He says that, he's give, uh, that God has given uh, uh, all those different giftings to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And again, in a couple of chapters before that, in Ephesians 2.10, Paul describes this, for we are God's handiwork. Yes, amazing. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We have been created by design for service. We cannot be mature if we don't serve. And one of the things that we do in our household is that Saturday morning is chore day. And chore day means that I'm cleaning all the floors and Beck does in all the surfaces and that's how we've divided up the roles. One day, when Sam is older, he will do my chores. For <laughs> and Saturday morning will be FIFA day. <laughs> totally joking. But if Sam never learns to do chores, he won't grow up. One day, mum and dad are going to be old and decrepit. And, you know, I'm 34 when Sam was placed in my life. I'm already an older dad. I was thinking about this. By the time he's 18, I'm like 50-something. Oh, so, like dinosaur. <laughs> but I'm probably not going to be as active as my parents have been in my life. It's just a fact of the matter. I'm going to be older. And he's going to need to be able to do things for himself. If I care for him, I'm going to teach him to serve. If I care for him, he's going to learn to do the things that he probably isn't going to like, but are going to be good for him. And if we do that for our children, why don't we see that we need to do that for ourselves? How are you serving? When was the last time you did something that wasn't about yourself? When was the last time you did something to build up the body of Christ? You know, one of the things that we have been very deliberate about in our church is that we don't call Sundays a service. Because a service reminds me of a car service. You drive in, you drop your car off, you take the courtesy car, go off, have your own life, come back, pick up your car. Oh, it's all tuned up and good. We treat Christianity like that sometimes. Oh, I go to Sunday, get a little tune up. Oh, a pastor spoke really well today. Say, so, oh, I feel like I'm driving so good. I'm like, no, you don't pay me enough for that. 
We're not looking after your Christianity for you. We're calling this a gathering because as a body of Christ, this is one of the things that the Bible teaches us. We gather to serve. We gather to grow. We gather to get encouraged. We gather to receive support. We gather to receive comfort. We gather to worship. But we also gather to serve. So how are you serving? I know this is probably not the, you came to a livery lodge, oh, fun, awesome church, I want a cake. And then you have this Asian guy shouting at you to, to join up with the team. <laughs> and you're like, what was I? You're hearing truth in love. I want you to grow. You've got giftings. You've got something to offer. You've got something that the body of Christ is designed to receive. Now, if you don't join up and you don't serve, for whatever reason, you know, the body is going to miss out on you, but God looks after the body. I believe that. But you're the one that misses out. Why do we treat serving and gathering as an optional part of our lives? Why do we treat the body of Christ as optional? It went deep there, didn't it? Everyone things got real but it's real we need the body of Christ in his local expressions in ways that allow us to be in real community real vulnerability where I can speak into your life and you can speak into my life and we build those relationships obviously not everyone speaks in everyone's lives I'm not talking about this weird cultic kind of a place but we build trust we build relationship. We know that we're on the same journey. And so with that, we are able to speak and then we are able to serve. And then when that happens, the body of Christ matures. And we attain the whole measure. How beautiful is that? The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If there's something that Beck and I were talking about, we were worried about in phase two of lift, if you will, is that we do this and there's no, no real life. We gather and people come and people go. No one's being discipled. No one's growing. And we're worried about that. Because we can't make you grow. If you want to be a plastic bag that gets tossed out with every wind, I'm not going to be chasing plastic bags that are flopping in the wind can't chase every person but that's why we gather so that there is this stability security and growth that can take place my prayer this morning is that if you've got any issues with gathering you find out why if you've got any issues with being vulnerable and open ask yourself why have you got misplaced priorities? Maybe no one's ever told you. Well, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> was it just something that you've never disciplined yourself for? You know, in my life, one of the saddest things is when people say to me, yeah, I, I love God, but I just can't, can't quite make things happen on a Sunday or whenever church is run. 
Now, in today's day and age, you can attend church on Saturday night, Friday night, Sunday night, any other time. Sunday morning is not sacred, but I'm talking about commitment to the gathering of your home, of your church, sinking your roots in. If that's a lift, fantastic, do that well. If it's somewhere else, fantastic, do that well. But why have you not done it if you haven't done it? And what is holding you back? And I understand that there are legitimate reasons why people don't. But are they as legitimate as what the Bible teaches us? Are you placing your security in something else that will one day be removed? Are you placing your security on this? We just sang today, I will build my life upon your love. God so loved the world that he came. Jesus the word came and now we have a written form word that should be the basis of all of our truth that's what we want to bring every sunday that's what we want to have every time we gather whether here or in small groups now i understand that some of you might be hurt i understand that there might be some people that say, i just don't do that well because of my past experience and I understand that all I have to say is not so much that that doesn't matter but what I'm trying to say is that that matters but what matters more is that I don't want your life to look like an infant tossed around that hurt can cause you to stay an infant psychologically speaking it's been proven that trauma causes people to stagnate in their growth. One of the things that I have found as a, as a pastor and working and studying counseling is that when, pers- when a person um, does not process trauma, their emotional age stays the same. They cannot grow until they've learned to walk past it. And so you can be 50 and have the emotional age of a 14 year old. You can be 65 and have the emotional age of an eight-year-old. Psychological fact. And so I don't want you to be an infant tossed around. So can I just ask that you examine? I'm going to ask the band to come up. I didn't really think that this message would land in this place. But I just get so excited by the fact that God is placing on my heart that when we are united and working together as a body, that we can actually grow and we can experience so much more that God has for us. And I don't want you to be held back. I don't want you to miss out. I want you to be part of this journey with us so that we can experience and attain the full measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So if I can get everyone to stand. If I can get get everyone just to close your eyes for a moment, I just want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you're not trying to withhold yourself. For every person that has gone through and has gone through difficult traumatic situations, Situations that might have caused them to wonder where you are, whether you really care, whether you're really there.
I pray that Jesus, that right now, that your arms of love envelop them, embrace them, come alongside them. Holy Spirit, you are our comforter. You bring healing and you bind the broken hearts. So this morning, I thank you, Lord, that you're doing a new thing in our church. But I will say, see that you require us to be ready to change. I see that you require us to get bigger on the inside. And I pray that for us, we will be ready to do the work of growing, that we will see our need for the body of Christ. We will see our need to speak the truth in love, and we will see the need for service. I pray that these things will become cornerstone pieces that help us to grow in our walk with you. But for those who are stuck, I pray for healing. I pray for wholeness. I pray to God that the past will not hold on and be sticky in their hearts. But rather, God, you are bringing revelation and hope and truth. That you are able to bring to light all that you have been doing in their lives. I thank you, Jesus, that you have never left them nor forsaken them. That your arms of love have always been reaching out to them. And I thank you, God, that your love, your love, your love covers a multitude of sins. So we thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. I just feel this. I'm just going to put this out there. This is the, the end of our gathering. I pray that you will go on. I love that you're here. I love that we get together once again in WA. And I pray that you will continue on with your gathering, whether with us or with the local body that you are going to be a part of. And you can celebrate with us this morning still is a morning of celebration. But if anything that I've said has really spoken to you and there's something stirring on the inside, you're feeling a barrier and a blockage, or maybe you are just going, I need that healing and wholeness that, that Nate, you've been talking about. I would love to pray with you and to stand with you. And our team will be as well, because I believe that the greater days ahead require us to deal with stuff. And sometimes that means doing the hard things of saying, God, I need, I need, I need to be open about this today. So yeah, if you would like prayer, you can come forward. I'm not just going to close in prayer. And you can head to the back, get yourself some of the lovely uh, morning tea that the team has prepared. And remember, we'll be taking a group photo in just a little while. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.